the more compassion we have towards animals, the more compassion we're going to have towards other people. If you can value them all, you, you really value yourself as well. So even if you don't care about animals, the, the things we do that hurt animals end up hurting ourselves. It's almost kind of a dominion type issue where we feel we need to control everything. Dominion means stewardship, to take care of. What would a cow think about satisfying our habit? The challenge lies with looking at suffering from the perspective of the person or individual suffering. Welcome to Voices for the Animals on KBOO Portland. This is your host, Noah Bristol. Michelle Coppola and I bring you this show on the fourth Friday of every month at 10 a.m., or you can listen online anytime at kboo.fm slash Voices for the Animals. We're here on the air to give voice to the urgent animal welfare and rights issues happening locally, regionally, and worldwide. And I have an exciting interview today with a guest who has proposed legislation in Oregon that would dramatically change how Oregon animal agriculture does business. But before we get there, some animal news from around the world. Burger King has announced that they will launch new vegan and vegetarian options across the United Kingdom in the coming weeks. The CEO of Burger King UK, Alastair Murdoch, said that within a decade, up to 50% of Burger King UK's menu could be plant-based. Quote, over time, the amount of beef that we are selling as a proportion of our total sales is reducing. End quote. A plan to build a center breeding 10,000 monkeys a year for medical research will mean the industrial-scale farming of non-human primates, animal protectionists are warning. Animal research company Envigo wants to build a multi-million dollar hub in Texas that is expected to become America's largest monkey breeding base. Numbers could even be scaled up in the future to 30,000 a year, they say. The plans are being drawn up because China, the main supplier until now of primates to the U.S. laboratories, has banned the export of macaques because of the coronavirus. The primates would be used in laboratory tests, including research for COVID-19, SARS, Zika, and other deadly viruses. Humane Voters Oregon and others are working again this year to ban coyote killing contests here in Oregon. Participants in these events compete for cash and prizes to see who can kill the most coyotes. An event like this was held earlier this year near Burns with more than 200 coyotes killed. If successful, Oregon would be following Arizona, California, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Mexico, Vermont, and Washington in banning wildlife or coyote killing contests. Humane Voters Oregon states, by making a game out of killing as many coyotes as possible, coyote killing contests show a lack of appreciation, respect, and compassion for wildlife. They glorify killing for the sake of killing. The Colorado governor recently declared March 20th as Meat Out Day, encouraging residents to educate themselves about plant-based eating and skip eating meat for the day. Meat Out Day was started in 1985 by farm animal rights movements and seeks to inform people about the health benefits of eating a plant-based diet. Colorado's proclamation, calling on residents to consider not eating meat on the 20th of March, states that removing animal products from our diets reduces the risk of various ailments, including heart disease, cancers, and diabetes. 
A plant-based diet helps protect the environment by reducing our carbon footprint, preserving forests, grasslands, and wildlife habitats, and reduces pollution of waterways, the order adds. Colorado Governor Jared Polis is a meat eater, but his partner is a longtime vegan. In response to the order, Colorado ranchers and other agricultural organizations declared Meat In Day, and the Nebraska governor declared March 20th to be Meat on the Menu Day. Nebraska already declares May as Beef Month each year and also sells Beef State vehicle license plates. Today, we get to speak with David Michelson, the chief petitioner of the Yes on IP13 campaign and director of the petition committee End Animal Cruelty. The initiative Petition 13 is a proposed ballot initiative for the 2022 Oregon general election. And if passed, this initiative would remove exemptions to our animal cruelty laws that currently allow some industries to pass for animal abuse, neglect, and sexual assault without penalty. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Noah. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my privilege. Trust me. It's uh, This is something <laughs> that you know I've, I've been in this business talking about animal rights for over a year now. And this is something that I haven't really seen before as a proposed legislation like this. So I'm, I'm eager to learn more about it. So the first question is, what is IP13 in your own words? Well, you did a great job um, summarizing it. It's a ballot initiative proposed for 2022 general election. Um, if passed, it would remove all the current exemptions to our animal cruelty laws. So the way they're currently written in Oregon statutes. We have these really great definitions of what animal abuse is, what animal neglect is, what animal sexual assault is. But then immediately after we define these acts, we list a bunch of exceptions saying that these industries don't have to be, or can't be charged with animal abuse. Um, these individuals, if you buy a license, can't be charged. These researchers can't be charged, right? So um, one of the examples is animal abuse in the first degree is causing serious injury or fatal injury to an animal intentionally. And that sounds on its surface reasonable, right? That sounds like animal abuse if you're seriously injuring an animal. Uh, but then they say good animal husbandry doesn't count, hunting doesn't count, slaughtering doesn't count, experimentation doesn't count. So by removing all those exemptions, we're holding everyone to the same standard when it comes to animal cruelty. Um, and it's a, it'd be very radically, it would radically transform how we treat animals in the state of Oregon. Yes, I, I think I can see that already. <laughs> and uh, radical might be a word that some some people apply to this legislation. Is there? Are you aware of similar legislation that's been proposed anywhere in the country or around the world before? I'm not. I do. I have heard of one country. Um, I believe somewhere in I want to say Southeast Asia, but that could be. Don't quote me on that. Um, that has banned the slaughter of animals within their district, um, primarily for religious reasons. But it was definitely not done uh, through ballot initiative like this is. And I haven't seen any other state or other country, uh, for that matter, propose similar legislation. There's some talks of a couple activists in other places that, are, that might follow suit and do some similar legislation. And I want to make sure I can help with those as best I can. But uh, I think we would be the first to even have this on the ballot, right? Just, just asking you know, over 3 million voters whether or not we should end animal cruelty. I think they'd be the first worldwide. There's a strange dichotomy that this makes me see very clearly between the values that most people have about how we treat animals and these long lists of exceptions that we make. Some, you know, some people might argue that these are necessary exceptions, but many most can see that they're probably not necessary exceptions. 
And this proposed initiative, if passed, let's just speak hypotheticals here, what paint us a picture for what Oregon would look like after this passes, how industries would change, et cetera. It would be, it'd be quite a transformation. Um, to speak to the dichotomy point, it's actually the Oregon state statutes define in their uh, section, chapter 167, um, where all these laws are contained, they specifically say and acknowledge that animals are sentient beings capable of experiencing pain, stress, and fear, and that we should care for animals in ways that minimize their pain, stress, and fear. It is really an interesting uh, dissociation from our values or disconnect from our values because we define that in statute and then go ahead and say, well, all of the suffering we're just gonna go ahead and do, um, it, which, is, which is frustrating. But if this passes and we do actually align our legislation with our values, Oregon would essentially become a sanctuary state for animals. Um, any animal within the state of Oregon would have their rights more or less codified in law that they deserve a life free of abuse, neglect and sexual assault because those things would no longer be, there would no longer be exemptions so that you can abuse, neglect, and sexually assault animals if you follow the right procedures or happen to be in the right occupation. Um, you know, it, animals in Oregon would have a very different life and animals that were brought into Oregon would have a very different life as well. So it brings up an interesting dynamic of, you know, how a, how a sanctuary state would operate, what those effects are for neighboring states. Um, I think it'd be quite interesting to see. Indeed. This proposed initiative to end animal cruelty in the state of Oregon. Uh, we might have some listeners who are unaware of the specifics of how animal agriculture works or how those different industries function and how they treat animals. So can you give us some specifics on the type of specific actions that these industries currently participate in that you believe should be banned in the state of Oregon? So one of the ones um, we started mentioning earlier about animal abuse in the first degree, right? Fatally injuring an animal intentionally. That is how unfortunately the industries operate within Oregon and within the United States, within really the world. Um, animals are usually fatally injured very, very young, um, you know, days to months uh, old. Unfortunately, occasionally some animals, particularly cows will in the dairy industry will live till about five, but that's still only a fraction of their natural lifespan up to like 25 years old. Um, so this would, I mean, it calls it what it is. If we don't change the definition of animal abuse, we're just holding everyone to the same standard. So none of these industries will be able to fatally injure these animals again in the Oregon. Um, it doesn't, strictly speaking, prevent um, anyone, you know, farmers from raising animals until they lived out their natural lifespan, 25, 30 years old. If they died of natural causes and someone wanted to process their bodies and sell them for consumption, this does not prevent that. Um, it's obviously a little bit strange to think about. I, I would ra much rather, you know, bury my friends than eat them. But regardless, that this doesn't ban that. So that's one way the industry can actually respond. It doesn't ban these industries per se. It bans the animal cruelty that's currently a part of the industries. Um, the other main act would be forced impregnation. So when we talk about sexual assault, that is a huge part of sexual assault. And we recognize that when it comes to uh, humans, I mean, the UN has declared forced impregnation a crime against humanity. I mean, one of the most serious crimes, right? And so I think that it only makes sense to align our values and consider forced impregnation, sexual assault for animals as well, which this initiative would do. Um, that means that there would be no more impregnation, which is a, another huge part of these industries. Um, 
Again, so you're saying pro- that these animals aren't copulating in a natural way to produce <laughs> livestock for the industry? Yep. No, they definitely are not getting a natural, yeah, and just enjoying life and uh, reproducing on their own free will, um, which they would, of course, be allowed to do, even if this passed, it would just be the forced, forced impregnation that it bans. Right. Um, which would also radically transform these industries uh, because they wouldn't be able to rely on bringing you know, billions of them into the world forcibly every year. So would IP13 essentially ban meat, leather, or first sales or production in the state? I think it depends on how the industries want to respond. Um, I think if the voters make a clear mandate that we want to end animal cruelty, it's up to them to see how they would if, they, if and how they would want to continue their industry, um, it would certainly extend the timeline. Um, there aren't, on a sort of practical note, there aren't a ton of slaughterhouses in Oregon. We import, I believe, most of our animal products uh, with the exception of fur, which are, we're a large exporter of. Um, and because this doesn't ban the sale or uh, consumption of animal products, industries could still import it from other states. Um, So on a day-to-day level, a lot of the businesses wouldn't actually be impacted immediately. Um, I think it's a much bigger cultural shift than anything. It would be saying that these animals have this right. We have a whole state, you know, 4 million people said that they have this right. I think that would just have a huge impact on whether we even want the industries to continue or not. Um, But I think that's a conversation for after it gets passed. And even if perhaps it doesn't get passed in 2022 or doesn't get on the ballot in 2022, this is still seems like a huge step forward in a direction of raising people's awareness of thinking about these issues and all these exceptions and the inherent hypocrisy and how we value animals' lives and animal safety and animals' well-being and all the exceptions we make uh, on a day-to-day basis with our industries. So can you tell me more about, even if this doesn't make it to the ballot, what you hope to accomplish with this campaign? Definitely. I, I think it would be incredible to say that you voted to end animal abuse in your lifetime, right? There, we often try to think, you know, a better world is possible. And I fully do believe that. But it's hard to continue this fight for animal rights and think that I might not be here when we finally get achieve that mission. But at the very least, I'll have voted on something so powerful as to say that we don't want animals to be treated this way anymore um, and have a record of that, right? How many people do? And And so I think, yeah, putting this question to so many people will cause them to reflect, certainly. Um, People who haven't really asked themselves about this before will probably reflect on it a lot, which I think is going to be really powerful. Um, There is, surprisingly, there was a poll with the Sentience Institute that estimated about 47% of Americans support a ban on slaughterhouses, which is fairly a radical idea, right? I mean, and that's close to what this is doing um, in a slightly different way. So I think there is a, a good, strong base of support. I think this would increase it. And I kind of am motivated by the women's suffrage movement, actually. That was an inspiration because they won the right to vote um, in Oregon via ballot initiative, but it only got um, passed on the sixth time that it was voted on. So it went through six election cycles, 12 years before it finally passed. And I don't think it would have passed the sixth time if it wasn't up there the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. So we're going to keep putting it to the voters until... A better world is here. <laughs> That's a really good point. And I, you probably, I think you've been in you know, activism for quite a while, and so have I. And it can seem sometimes like the, the change is moving at a glacial pace. But that's only true until changes happen very quickly. And we've seen that in many other movements as well. One question I had from reading the current reading of the law and also the proposed changes is that 
good animal husbandry is a phrase used multiple times in the current laws as an exception. And I was wondering if that phrase has a legal definition or is it just a general generalized loophole to allow the continuation of that industry? Yeah, it's a good question. It does uh, come up in a few of the statutes and it will be removed if IP13 passes. Um, it is defined specifically as, or I guess, <laughs> It's a little vague, I'll read the full definition. It includes, but is not limited to, the dehorning of cattle, the docking of horses, sheep or swine, and the castration or neutering of livestock according to accepted practices of veterinary medicine or animal husbandry. So it's sort of written in a way that, again, not limited to these things. Um, if it's accepted by animal husbandry, then it's fine. So it is a fairly vague statute or vague definition, um, but it would be, uh, the definition wouldn't change. It would just be removed as, as an exemption altogether. So basically, if it's if it fits into the status quo and it's industry standard, then it's allowed, even if the status quo is terrifying and the industry yes. standard is horrible. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yep. And one thing that your proposed initiative changes is the allowance for, quote unquote, uh, necessary to defend him or herself against an apparent threat of immediate violence. And that would be the only exception uh, currently allowed after this proposed initiative passes for violence against animals is in a case of self-defense. Uh, can you tell us more about why you felt that was really important to put in there? And also, does this, one question I had about it was, does this include the defense of others or the defense of your pet from a wild animal? Yeah, I wanted to make, make it very clear that, that self-defense is something that's acceptable under the law, right? We, I, I certainly do value my own life to an extent that if I felt threatened, Right? I think it'd be morally justifiable to defend myself. I think everyone else has that same right. Um, and it wasn't really clear in the current legislation, although it's never been used against someone for you know, self-defense um, in the past. I just wanted to make it particularly clear since we're removing so many exemptions, um, I wanted to just keep that uh, really solid. So I think I would interpret that as being able to defend a loved one as well or another animal as well. Um, I suppose, technically speaking, that could be up for interpretation by the courts, but I would be, I highly doubt that anyone would get charged for, for something of that, of that nature. Um, I, I did want to say that the, there is actually one other exemption that we kept in. We didn't add it, but it was already there, was for uh, veterinary practices. Right. Um, so that was one thing that was built in, primarily just to make sure that things like spaying, neutering, and euthanasia, administered by, by a vet specifically, um, wasn't, wasn't threatened. And that seems ironic to me that the most obvious and universally accepted exception, which is, you know, the defense of your own life, the defense of someone else, isn't even in this list of exemptions as it currently stands. Yeah, I, I think it speaks to how almost how little we valued animals. Like, I don't, I don't think it was even a question for the legislator that, oh, someone would get in trouble for defending themselves because it's just, right. yeah, I, I, it, it's sad. There are a couple other instances that sort of highlight almost a similar mindset. The, um, initial or the way that it currently reads for sexual assault is the act of violence, so to speak, is when you forcibly come into contact or cause an object to come into contact with um, an animal's mouth, anus, or genitals. But the way it's written right now is that it only counts if the person, the perpetrator, got sexual gratification from it. It doesn't even acknowledge that one, the victim could get any sexual gratification, let alone that acknowledging the victim's perspective as the most important in cases of sexual assault. Um, so all of these laws are written by humans for humans without even 
almost treating animals as this like absent reference that just are objects, um, which seems very well, contradictory to our values. In relation to how they interact with humans. Yes. Yeah. So how can someone help get IP13 on the ballot? And where are you at in the current process of getting this on the ballot for 2022? So we started signature gathering. Um, we've been primarily though focused on onboarding volunteers um, to get ready, particularly for the warmer months once it's a little you know, sunnier out there. But um, the main way to find out how to help the campaign is to go to the website, yesonip13.org. Um, you can also follow any of our social media at yesonip13. If you live in Oregon and are a registered voter, you can sign the petition from your own home. So if you go to our website, you see the uh, click sign, all you have to do is print out that first page, read through the ballot text, and then scan in, um, scan or mail the actual signed form. Um, if you don't have access to a printer or scanner, you can email the campaign. We are happy to mail one out to you with a return envelope. So um, if you're registered to vote in Oregon, it's super, super easy to sign. Um, if you live in Oregon, but aren't a registered voter, if you live anywhere else in the country um, or the world and you just happen to be traveling through Oregon and wanna help gather signatures, you can do that. You do not need to be a resident of Oregon to gather signatures. You don't even have to be 18. So if you're 16, 15, however old, and wanna gather signatures, get engaged in the political process, reach out to the campaign. We will be happy to set you up with that. Um, we make sure to provide everyone with what they need for to stay safe with COVID. So boxes of pens, gloves, masks, uh, sanitizer, all that, um, because we do want to make sure that's very taken very seriously as well. Um, and if you aren't able to gather signatures in person, but still want to help out, follow our social media. You can donate to us through ActBlue. Um, we have a thing set up through there, again, through the website. So lots of ways you can help out, uh, get this on the ballot. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for coming on here to share your message with us. Is there anything else that you'd like our audience to know? Just keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, this stuff isn't possible without everyone working, working towards this goal. So I, yeah, following in everyone's footsteps. hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you, David. This has been David Michelson with Noah Bristol on Voices for the Animals. And David Michelson is part of the petition committee End Animal Cruelty working on getting initiative petition 13, a proposed ballot initiative for the 2022 Oregon general election on the ballot. If passed, this initiative would remove exemptions to our animal cruelty laws that currently allow some industries a pass for animal abuse, neglect, and sexual assault without penalty. And where online can people go to learn more about this again, once more? Yes, on ip13.org. Got it. Thank you, David. Awesome. Thank you so much.
Thank you.